Okay, so um, I missed you guys last week. Thank you for your patience. It just happened to be that Tuesday was a day we were going to be in Denver. So I'm glad to see all your beautiful faces, whoever shows me your face on camera. Thank you. Um, okay, so we are on chapter 41. Okay, last week we did 38, 39, and 40, and we we're talking about um, intent, right? Like why we were speaking about action and then we spoke about the importance of the intention behind our actions. Chapter 41 now starts once again, another subject and that is all about meditation. Now, in chapter 16 and 17, that was the first time we brought up meditation and we spoke about meditation in connection to generating emotions towards God, right? So we said, how do we create emotions, mainly love and awe of God? How do we create those emotions? Through meditation, through meditating, right? And we understand the importance of meditating because we understand the importance of creating those emotions, um, but we didn't really, we were never really taught how to meditate and what to meditate on. Like, how do we get, how do we generate that love? How do we generate that awe and respect and fear, right? So chapters 41 through 50, so the next 10 chapters, we are going to be talking about meditation, how to meditate and what to meditate on to create these emotions for God. Okay. So, you know, like, um, in different cultures, there's different, like, there's a lot of words for something that's important. Like the Eskimos have a lot of words for snow, right? Because snow is such a big part of their life, right? In Hasidus, we have a lot of words for emotions because it is a very important part of our journey. And there's a lot of different levels of love and awe. And by the way, all emotions are an offshoot of love and fear, love and awe, okay? Any single, every single emotion stems from those two main categories. So we are going to be going on a journey, learning how to meditate, which is such a powerful tool. And it really, I mean, anyone who's tried meditating, even not in connection to Tanya or Hasidus, it's a, it's an art, right? It's like learning a new language. You really have to stick with it, practice, and, and it takes time. Remember, that's why we, in chapter 16 and 17, we spoke about meditation, but then we jumped right into, oh, meditation takes too long. What if we need an emotion right away? And then we learned about, remember, that um, latent love that we can elicit on, on the dime, right? So now we're going back to meditation because it's such an important tool in our relationship with God. Now, um, so we are going to become experts in developing more sophistication regarding our emotions towards Hashem, right? Remember, we, when we talk about emotions in Tanya, it's directly connected to our emotion towards God, right? We're not really getting into our emotions that happen in our day-to-day -day life. We're specifically talking in connection to God, right? 
So there's many types and levels of these emotions, okay? What we're saying is there's many different types of love and there's many different types of awe and there's many different levels. So we're saying there's qualitatively qualitative difference and quantitative difference depending on what kind of love and awe are we trying to generate, okay? So this is the, the overview of what we're gonna be doing for the next 10 chapters. We will probably do some combinations of some as we move along, but 10 chapters we're now dedicating to emotion. Now, so 41 starts with prioritizing between love and awe, right? So which we want, we need to know what's found, what is the foundation emotion that we need? Which one needs to come first? We're not trying to say which one's more important, although you might have a feeling about that after we learn, but which one is needs to be the foundation? Which one needs to come first? And it's actually very important. It's not like either one you want, right? It's very important to understand what our foundation emotion is optimal for our relationship with Hashem. And the cool thing about this is that you can translate, and we will give real day examples, you can translate this into any relationship that you have, which is, which is my, one of my favorite parts of Tanya is that, yes, we're talking about our relationship with God, which is super practical, but you also can use these exact tools in our day-to-day -day relationships with our spouse, with our children, with our friends, right? Like this is almost like, I love this chapter because it's such a practical guide for, um, everyday life and our relationships. If we want to understand why sometimes our relationships are not working or it's missing something and you can't put your finger on it, I really think this chapter is going to help you figure that out. Okay. So chapter 41, um, that's what we're, we're, before we get into creating those emotions, we want to understand which one do we need to start with. Okay. Let's go back for a minute all the way to chapter four, where we talked about how do you express love and how do you express awe, right? And what we just said is that love is expressed through action, okay? Through what you do, right? Through a positive action. When you want to show somebody love, you are doing something to bring you closer to that person. It is actionable. Awe is all about what you don't do. Okay. So you can kind of split those into like the positive and the negative commandments, right? All the 248 positive commandments is a way that we express our love to Hashem. We are acting on his wishes. One second. We're doing what he wants us to do. And awe is fulfilling the 365 negative prohibitions. We are holding back. We are making space for God. We don't want to mess up that relationship. So this is, it's, it's all about what we don't do. Yes, Kareem. Is awe and fear the same thing? Yes. Awe and fear, well, not the same thing, but they're, they're, E equally um, appropriate translations for yira, 
which you can translate. So ahava is love and yira is fear, respect, awe, um, reverence. Okay. All those terms fall under the fear, the year a category. And actually you can use different translations for different places that you're at, right? One level, you might be feeling fear on one level. You might be feeling respect on one on one level, you might be feeling awe or reverence, right? But they're all correct. Today, we're going to focus mostly on respect. The translation for Yira in the in connection to respect. That's what we're going to be focusing on today. Okay, but they're all correct. So, um, so when we do, we are showing our love, right? Um, and when we hold back, that's when we are um, experiencing the respect, right? I respect you. So I'm not going to do what you don't want me to do. I respect you. So I'm going to make myself smaller in the sense that I leave space for you. It's, it's very humbling. Respect is a humbling experience. Love is kind of, it makes you bigger, right? You want to be bigger so you can, you can, get closer to that person and it takes a, like grand gestures, right? That's more like love, but respect requires you to hold back, right? To make space for that person. And um, that is a very, very fundamental piece of this journey, okay? So when you love, it spurs action. And when you are trying to um, show love and respect, it's the opposite. It's like you want to get out of the way um, so I don't mess it up, right? Um, and that's the way you show a person respect. So, so if you wanted to sum it up, love would be self-expression and respect would be self-containment. Does that make sense? So when you're loving, you're, it's self-expression. It's an outward movement. And when you're, when you're showing respect, it's a self-containment. You're holding yourself back so you can show respect and give space for that other person. Now, what we don't want to um, confuse respect with is honor. Respect and honor are two different things. Res respect is translated as yira and honor is kavod, okay? So honor is also more of a positive action. It's proactive, right? The way you honor your father and mother is an action. How do you honor them? You're doing something to honor them. You're getting up from your seat. You're bringing them food, right? That's an honor. And respect is that holding back, right? Not saying whatever you want to say, not, you know, um, boundaries, right? Boundaries show respect. When someone violates your boundaries, what's the first thing you feel when someone violates your boundaries? You feel disrespected. Right? Like, like what I care about doesn't matter, right? That's why boundaries are so important because it helps the other person respect you, right? And boundaries are all about where, where you, where your limit is, where you feel comfortable, right? So when someone honors your boundaries, that's showing respect. When someone doesn't honor your boundaries and stomps all over them, the first thing you feel is disrespected, Okay. So that's why we need, that's why in, in the Ten Commandments, it says honor your father and mother and respect your father and mother. You, you have to do both. You have to honor and respect, okay? 
Um, so when we use respect, basically the message you're sending is I don't want to get in your way. I want to respect who you are as a person, what's important to you, and I want to leave space for that. Okay, so you just kind of hold yourself back. Love is spreading yourself out, right? Giving, I want to give to you. But when you give to someone, it's, it's almost as much about you as it is about that somebody else, unless you've learned how to love with respect tied into it. Okay, so um, the, the other thing I want you to keep in mind when we say um, love and awe or love and respect, it also is very comparable to the two first emotional attributes that we've learned, right? The first one is chesed, which is kindness, which is an outpouring, an action, an outpouring of love and it's an action that you do to help somebody or to show how much you love them and gvura is the exact opposite it's an inward it's a more of an inward um relationship it's a more of an inward process okay so gvura is synonymous with yira in this in this scenario right and chesed is synonymous with ahava with love okay so love is proactive and respect is preventative, right? You're going to prevent um, the relationship breaking by respect, right? It's it's like you have to you have to you have to just really care about the other person and what's important to them to respect them, right? Um, so this is where we're going to use a metaphor for human relationships to understand this even better because we want to understand what the foundation of our relationship needs to be with God and that mirrors what the foundation of our relationship should be with our fellow human so anyone have any guesses or thoughts to what you think is going to be the foundational emotion that we're working with here anything come to mind you can ask anyone who's on Instagram can also type in the comment box. Yeah, I, I think that love is the underpinning. Okay. Okay. Why? Because it's giving. It's giving. It's not not receiving. Okay. Uh, not necessarily receiving. Receiving back. Right. Yeah. Okay, it's well, hold that thought and let's see how it plays out. Okay, so this is the example that I want to use that I've heard used um, to understand and explain a relationship. Okay, so let's say you have, and by the way, this is just an example. You can substitute, you can apply it to your life in whatever way it makes sense for you. But um, this is the example that I'm giving. There is a man, a husband who um, stayed late at work for three hours longer than he should have, didn't text, didn't call, didn't communicate, and um, just showed up late. But when he came home, he came home with a dozen of red roses because that's his wife's favorite flower, okay? Now, put yourself in that position, right? 
Um, and ask yourself, if your significant other came home late without a mention that he was going to be late, but came home with flowers, what is going to be your reaction? Are you going to appreciate the flowers? No, I'd say, what did you do? Like, what the heck? right? Like you think you can come home three hours late without saying anything and bring me flowers and I'm going to be okay with that? Like, what do you think the That's flowers kind of are going to do? It's, it's like a slap in the face, right? Like you think you're going to get you're away right. with bringing me flowers when you behaved so disrespectfully, right? And you want to even know even further, let's say the, the husband got the flowers at lunchtime because he knows his wife loves these flowers. Before he even had an inkling that he was going to be late, right? He thought he was going to be home on time. He's going to bring flowers home for dinner. But meanwhile, something came up. He was late at work. He didn't take the time to respect his spouse. And he comes home with flowers, right? It's, it's, it's not going to land, right? It's not going to land very well, right? So the act of flowers in a, a per, in, in a perfect scenario is an act of love, right? It's an act of love. When you bring, uh, it's, it's an action. You're bringing someone, your, your significant other, something you, you know they love to show you love them, right? Um, but when the act of love is lacking respect, it is not going to be absorbed and felt like an act of love. Okay. So it, because he didn't respect his wife's boundaries, because there was no respect there, then the love didn't land. Like it was, it didn't feel like a loving act because the respect wasn't there. So what does this tell us? What does this tell us? That in order for love to feel like love, it, you need to have the foundation of respect. So think about any relationship that you have, right? If the foundation of that relationship isn't respect, then the love isn't going to feel like love. Okay? So before, how do you know? that you can trust someone in a relationship because they bring you flowers, because they buy you jewelry, right? That's an act of love. But if those acts of love come before the respect, it's not going to feel like love. So the first thing that needs to happen in a relationship is the boundaries, right? Can you hold my boundaries? Can you respect what's important to me? Can you leave room for me to be me and you to be you and not take up all the space. You hear what I'm saying? So that foundation is so important because without the foundation of respect, the love isn't gonna be love. So not only is it important that the respect be respectful, it really plays a huge role on how your acts of love are gonna land. Because acts of love without respect are, are kind of empty. It's like, oh, really? You really love me? You think, you think, you think bringing me flowers and jewelry is, it makes me feel safe and, 
and heard and respected, it only does that once the respect comes first, right? So this is a metaphor, right? Obviously, this is not actually in the Tanya. This is just a metaphor to help us understand our relationship with Hashem because we're physical human beings. And in order for us to wrap our brain around our relationship with God, it's easier to first understand how it works with our relationship between man. So let's take this, this kind of example, this kind of setup and apply it to God, right? It's very interesting because it actually got me thinking a lot when I was preparing, right? It's so much easier to do than not to do. Think about it. It's so much easier to do something for somebody than to hold back from doing something for somebody, right? It's so much more, it's so much easier. It's so much more enjoyable. You feel like you're doing more when you're giving, when you're proactive, right? When you're, um, ex when you're in a self-expression. But when someone asks of you not to do something, so much harder, so much harder. And just think about the, like, just for a second, holding back and not doing takes more maturity, more humility, right? Because when you, um, when you give, it almost boosts our own ego. Well, look, uh, look with the greatest gift that I'm giving you, right? But when you hold back, it takes humility, it takes patience, it takes restraint, it takes maturity, right? And like Sarah, Sarah says here, is holding back, it's a lot less airtime in a relationship. Exactly. We always focus on the gifts and the love and, love, you know, all the hoopla because it's so much more exciting and the passion, right? How do you show passion? You show passion by self-expression. It's very hard to show passion when you're holding back. But what we forget is that this is the foundation for a relationship. And a, a relationship that doesn't have a foundation in respect is not going to last. Right? So the same with God, right? It's so much easier to light the Shabbos candles, right? To put on the tefillin, to even keep a little bit of the Shabbos, right? It's so much harder to not do something for God. Like God says, don't do this. Right, hold back from doing X, Y, and Z takes so much more strength and discipline and humility to execute that than to do something for God, right? Um, at least I really relate to that. So obviously the ideal relationship is the roses with the coming home on time, right? Like the respect with the flowers, like, that's a perfect relationship. But in order to really understand the hierarchy of which needs to come first, we need to create a scenario that it's one or the other. How do we know what's more important? If there was, an, if there was a scenario that either you get the flowers or you get the husband home on time and that respects you, right? So what would you choose? Would you choose a husband that doesn't respect your boundaries, that doesn't let you know his schedule, comes and goes as he pleases, but brings you flowers? Or would you, or would you prefer a relationship that is, is uh, based on respect and maturity and, and um, 
humility, right? Without the flowers and the gifts. Now, obviously we want both, right? And so does God want both from us. But in order to really crystallize what's needs to be the foundation, we need to kind of put it in these black and white terms. So when you put it that way, respect needs to be the foundation. You, cause you can have a relationship of respect without the love, but you cannot have a relationship with love and no respect. Yeah, maybe you're, if your relationship with, was only respect, then it may be a little dry, might be a little boring. It might fizzle out faster, right? But a relationship that's only love and no respect, it's gonna flame out in a big bomb very fast, right? It doesn't have staying power whatsoever. You guys with me? Any questions Absolutely. or comments? No? We're good. Okay. So Yira, this respect is more foundational than the love. So we need to start with respect. It's the first emotional building block in our journey of creating these emotions for God. Okay. So now that we know what needs to come first, right? So does it make sense? So um, Barbara, you said a relationship needs to start with love, right? And I get why you say that. But after going through this process, do, does it make sense to you that a relationship's foundation needs to be respect? Yes. Yes. Okay. So respect, hands down, we all, it, all, it makes sense. It makes sense. So to start with this relationship with respect. Yes. Well, um, sorry. Um, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be a relationship with a spouse. Um, any relationship, you know, if someone is your friend, you have to have the respect too. That a hundred percent. That's what I said in the yeah. beginning, right? Like this applies to every single relationship, a relationship with your child, a relationship with a friend. If that relationship is not is the foundation is not respect. It's not going to be a long lasting relationship. And even with your kids, right? We are, we're all about our kids need to respect us and they need to, because we're the parents and whatever, but we need to respect our kids, right? And if we don't respect our kids and we don't honor who they are and we don't give them the space to be who they are and leave room for them, then it's going to be a very volatile relationship because a relationship cannot only be built on, oh my gosh, I love you so much. I want what's best for you. So I'm going to dictate to you whatever has to happen because I, you know, the biggest excuse, it's because I love you that I'm doing this, right? Maybe some of the, sometimes that's important, but more importantly is even if you have to create a boundary for your child, it needs to be done through the lens of respect. I respect you as a person. I respect you for who you are. These are the boundaries, right? These are your boundaries and these are my boundaries and we're gonna work together in a mutually respectful relationship. So it continues. I think the most important relationship that, that needs respect is a parent-child relationship because that is, people don't, think that, right? People think it's a one-way respect train and it's not so, right? And when we don't have respect for our children, that's when things can go really haywire, right? So thank you for pointing that out, that a relationship 
needs to have a foundation of respect, not just um, a marital relationship, any relationship that you are having, be it a friend, a colleague, um, uh, a boss, a spouse, God, right? Every single relationship needs to start with respect. Okay, so now that we know that, now that we know that a relationship needs to start with respect, how? How do we do that? How do we, what does it look like to start a relationship off with respect? How do I create this foundational respect for God? And this is what the second half of the chapter is going to tell us, okay? So Javi, can I make a quick comment? Yes, please. Um, I'm thinking about how respect can't happen unless you know what that other person's boundaries or like the other part of the relationship's boundaries are. And so it seems like one of the first steps I imagine would be like a knowing and then understanding what the boundaries uh, are of of the like, it's weird to say person, but like of the opposite person um, in a relationship. In order for sure, for sure, a hundred percent. You, if you're if you're going to enter a relationship, the first thing you need to do, right? That's why communication, right, yeah. is the what's a foundation of a of a functional relationship is communication. Because if you don't know what the other person wants, you don't know what's important to them, then how do you respect that? Yeah, right. And if the other person doesn't communicate that, or you don't ask, or there's no communication between the parties, then yeah. it's not possible. And which is a perfect um, segue to our relationship with God, right? Because God yep. actually tells us exactly what, what, what it entails to respect him. Please don't do yep. these 365 <laughs> things, right? Like yeah. it's, a, it's a tall order, but we know what it is, right? The question is now, once we know, right, the, the 365 ways to respect God, How do we, because remember, this actually brings me right to the most important point. Tanya, these are the last, one of the last 10 chapters that we're talking about emotion here, but most of the Tanya, we talk about what? Action, right? Because we're striving Bainani, right? Bainani's goal is to have perfect actions, right? Our goal is not to have perfect emotions because we can't. If we were to have perfect emotions, we would be a tzaddik, right? So most of the Tanya is dedicated to how do we get to the perfect action? So we know the 365 ways to respect God and we, and we are, we mastered it. We can do it, right? But now we want the emotion to, to back it up. We, we do the action. We hold back from the 365 prohibitions because we're at this point in the Tanya, you know how Tanya goes in chronological order. So we've mastered our actions. That's why now we can focus on our emotions, right? We're never going to be perfect, but we can affect change, right? We can get somewhere. So now exactly what we want to understand is how do we back up our actions with our emotions? How do we feel? We know how to, we know how, what to do to show reverence, right? Showing reverence is, we know what to do. We spent the last 40 chapters understanding that. Now we want to feel the reverence. How do we feel this on respect for God to back up our actions? Because it's so much more fun and so much more sustainable to act 
on something that we feel, right? It gets very old to just keep doing things because it's the right thing, because it's the right thing, because it's the right thing. It's hard to keep that up. When you feel it's the right thing, when you feel the love, the reverence and love for God, then it motivates us to continue with the action. Yeah, makes sense. So what do we have to do to feel this respect for God? What do we have to do? So obviously we know we have to meditate, right? So, because this is what these 10 chapters are about. This is about meditating. So how do we develop this respect and how do we meditate on this yira, this respect for God? And the coolest thing is that the Alter Rebbe tells us exactly what to think. Think of it as a guided meditation. The Alter Rebbe now is going to go in your head and he's going to tell you, this is what you should meditate on. And if you meditate on this consistently, then this, that it, it will automatically um, uh, translate and, and ugh, I'm, I don't, I can't, whatever the word's going to come to me, but it's going to create this emotion for Hashem. So we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to think about, oh my gosh, how do I do this? What do I think about? It's so overwhelming. It's so confusing. All the work is done for us. All, all the back work is done for us. All we have to do is actually meditate. So here is what we need to think about. This is now our meditation. Are you ready? Yes, Karee. I just want to share something. Yes, please. And I don't know how this happened to me, but it happened like naturally, I guess. Okay. But it is true. And I learned in he in Hebrew, it's Shiviti Hashem Yinik Ditamid. What does that mean? I live with I live with that all the time. That God is right, is right next to I'm you. I'm never alone, time, right? I'm never alone. You're never alone. So never I would I would venture to say that that meditation um, is going to, to create a love for God, right? I'm never alone. God is always with me, right? He loves me, right? So that we're going to get to in the next couple chapters now. But first, what's our foundation? We have to, un we have to create that respect, that awe, that reverence, that like awesomeness of who God is, right? And what he is to us to create the foundation for our relationship. So this is what we're gonna think. Are you ready? Hashem, God permeates all existence. He's the fabric of everything. In this world, in the spiritual realms, everything is permeated with God, right? And at the same time, God transcends everything and can't be contained, right? God is so great that he's just surrounds everything and you can't contain him into only the world. He's too great for that. So God is a paradox. He simultaneously fills everything and encompasses everything. Think about that for a second. Pause. We're going to kind of meditate now throughout our class because we're going to practice this meditation because we're learning, you know, we've been meditating every single chapter, right? And we've been 
dipping our toes. This chapter, we're, I mean, we're actually being told what to meditate on. So close your eyes for a second and think about this paradox that God is. He is simultaneously at the same time permeates and encompasses everything. He's in everything and he surrounds everything. He's in everything, but he can't be contained. Just think about that for a second. What emotion does that create for you? What comes up for you when you think about this crazy, amazing paradox that God is? A little fear. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. This is what we're doing. This is what we're creating, right? Altrama is spot on. He knows what to, he knows what to tell us to think to create this emotion. So, and then we go one step further. Okay, so we pop, we 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 stopped for a second and thought about one aspect. Now, to add on to that, everything in relation to God is nothing. Not times a mil, not like one grain of sand compared to a million grains of sand. It's no, it's like no sand compared to the a world full of sand. Like compared to God, the world is nothing. We're nothing. We're non-existent. Okay, we're we're stepping up our game. We're adding on to the like trepidation and the awesomeness and the reverence, right? We're adding to that. And then one step further, even though. Hashem permeates everything and surrounds everything, right? And to him, compared to him, we're nothing. What happens is he chooses to focus on us, on each and every one of us. He chose the Jewish people and each and every individual to create a home for him, right? So he wants something from us. This is personal. We've got to take this personally, Right? So here's the, the three-step process. God is in everything. He surrounds everything. Compared to him, we're nothing. And even after all that, God wants something from us. Right? Even though he's so great and we're nothing compared to him, he still chooses us to fulfill his desires. What create? What emotion are you creating? Love or awe? Both. We it, we are going to take part of this and 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 equate love to it in a different chapter. But right now, taking it face value, this is a meditation that's going to create mostly awe and respect. It's very overwhelming right? It's this huge, first of all, a huge paradox that our brain can't really comprehend, number one, right? And we're, we're, we're supposed to understand how God can be in everything and outside of everything, be in something, but not be contained by something at the same time. That's not something our human brain's actually going to comprehend. But the more we think about it, the more awe and reverence that's going to create, because it's so beyond us. Okay, so this is the meditation, right? The whole world is full of Hashem's glory, right? And he, he's standing, oh, okay. Actually, I want, we're actually gonna bring 
We can even condense this uh, meditation to one um, verse. Okay. The one verse is gonna is going to be, I'm gonna read it to you, and it's gonna be Vihine Hashem Nitzav Alav. It's one of the 12 um psukim, the 12 passages that the Rebbe um proclaimed as foundations of our relationship with God. So this is one of the 12 passages. It's so foundational. And that's gonna encompass, take all what we said about this meditation, it's gonna encompass it into one passage. So it's actually really easy to remember, and you can take that meditation with you, okay? Um, and I'm going to read it to you from inside, Hebrew and English, okay? So we can so we can really understand it. If you have a green Tanya, the practical Tanya, it's on page 496, okay? At the bottom. So what is, what is this meditation? What are we actually saying? V'hine Hashem mitzav Allah, and look, God is standing over you. Umlai chol ha'aretz kivodo, and all the earth is filled with His glory. Umabit alav, and He's watching you. Uvaychen klayas valei ve'im avda karaoi. He's checking your inclinations and your heart to see if you're worshiping Him properly. Okay. So I'm going to repeat it. Um, if you um, if you ever did the 12 passages with your kids or anywhere, this is the way we translate it for our children, right? Mehine Hashem Nitzav Alav. Hashem is standing right. Hashem is standing right beside you, and in your heart, He's looking to find that in every thought and everything you do. You try to be a better Jew, right? You know the song. Um, so this is what's happening. Hashem is looking over you. He's watching you. He wants to see if not only your actions are godly, but what's in your heart, right? Um, and he wants to see if you're worship, worshiping him properly in your heart. Uh Awe or, or love? Which one's happening for you right now? I can tell you for me, I'm kind of freaked out. Right? Like, he's looking in my heart. It's not enough that I am serving him with my actions. Now he wants to look in my heart to see what's actually happening. Right? Right? Okay. Hardcore awe. This is awe. So that's the cool thing though. We now have, if you're looking to start your relationship with Hashem and you are looking to start feeling emotional towards God, we now know the foundation meditation that we start with. We know it. We don't have to make it up. We don't have to like scramble and search for something. It's literally right here. Okay. So, um, this is awe. This is awe. Okay. Um, I just, let me just check. Maybe. Now, does, does this bring up any questions for anybody? What did we say awe was, right? Awe, what's one of, basically, what are we saying that awe is? It's like, get out of the way, right? So basically what we're saying is our job is to get out of God's way so we don't 
mess up the relationship. That's what it's about, right? Just don't, don't mess it up by bringing ungodly things into the world. So I don't know if you have this question, but I have a question. Like if our whole purpose is to get out of the way and it's not our only purpose, but we'll talk about that in a second. But if one of our main purposes is to get out of the way, then why were we created in the first place? Why are we, why are we created just to get out of the way? We have to serve him. Yes. So maybe we're here. Maybe, I don't know for sure, but maybe we're here to, to fulfill this exact paradox that we are an entity. We are something that can get in the way of Hashem, right? But we're making the conscious choice not to. Right? If we did, if we never existed, so we're not in the way, big whoop-de-doo. But because Hashem created us, we're here, we have the ability to get in his way. And through our free choice, we decide not to. We decide to be humble, to have bittal, to, 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 to make room for God. That's a huge accomplishment. Right? to have the ability to do whatever we want and to get in God's way, and we don't, we're accomplishing something huge, right? So that's one answer. The second answer is what you, I think you touched upon it. Um, we don't, our relationship is not only about awe. Our relationship with Hashem needs to have love too, right? We're not dismissing the love. Love is very, very important for our relationship, right? Nobody wants to be in a relationship just like cut and dry boundaries and respect, right? Kind of loses its luster. It's not fun, right? So we need the foundation of awe, but love is coming right after. What's on the heels of the awe is the love. So don't think the only part of our relationship with God is to get out of the way it's also going to entail the self-expression as well. We're also going to have that as part of the relationship. But what we're saying is that it just, the, the, the respect needs to come first and the, and the love comes after. But we're not at all promoting a relationship of only on respect. It's just what comes first. Okay? So the Alter Rebbe makes this experience of awe as accessible as possible, right? Why? He wants to make it as easy as possible because remember what I said before that we're behavioral experts, not emotional experts. As an, as an aspiring Bainini, we're experts on perfecting our behavior. But when it comes to our emotions, it's much harder. So the author wants to make it as accessible to us, make it as easy to us and tell us what the minimum, what's the minimum um, way to create these emotions. And I love, love, love what the author says is the minimum. And it, he actually takes it from um, the Gemara, um, from the Talmud. Okay, so where are we setting the bar? We're setting a very low bar. How do we implement and create this offer, Hashem? And it's brilliant. I think, I forget, was it, I think it was Rava, but I, don't quote me on that, but I think it was Rava who said, 
you should love, I mean, you should fear God as much as you fear misbehaving in public, right? So as normal human beings, right, with social, um, what's the word I'm looking for? To have the proper social etiquette, right? When we are doing something wrong, we want to kind of misbehave, we usually do it pretty sneakily, right? We don't want our people to witness it. We do it in private because we care what people think about us. What happens if we put God in that category? What happens if we say, well, if I wouldn't misbehave in front of a human, God can still see me do this. I'm gonna respect him just as much as I would respect another human. I'm gonna, exactly. I'm gonna fear God just as much as I respect another human. We forget because God is not a physical object that's right in front of us. We forget that he's watching us, right? That he may have shed meets of olive. He's watching us the whole time, but we forget because we don't see it with our physical eyes. But if we remember that God is watching us and he wants to know what's in our heart, maybe we think twice before we misbehave, right? God is watching. You know, there's a, a bunch of kids who God is watching, Right. God is watching you. So this is something that also we can apply to our relationship with our children. I had a, a, an interaction with one of my children who was like, oh my gosh, it, it, it might, to me or my husband's like, it might've looked like I did this, but I didn't do this. And I don't want you to think that I did this, right? And what did we respond to her? Say, that's not between me and you. Don't worry about how we feel. It's between you and God, Right? It's your relationship with God. God knows what's in your heart. God knows what you're doing. So don't worry about what we might have seen or might not have seen or yes or no, right? Like, it's not about pleasing us. It's not about what we think. It's about your relationship with Hashem. Because he knows, right? He knows your heart. So if we can just keep that in mind, right? If we can just remember that God is watching over us, he sees us, right? We'll talk about the love next chapters, but just let's focus on the fear for a second. God sees us and he loves us. If we think about that before we want to do something ungodly, would I do this in front of, a, would, I, would I be embarrassed if I did this in front of somebody that I care about and love? If the answer is yes, then God deserves that same respect too, right? It's just so much easier to have this feeling with a, a physical human because we see it. But now we know literally God is watching and standing over us. He sees us. So anything we do is like in front of God. So if we can just keep that in mind throughout the day with our every action. I think we'll start to just catch ourselves, right? with little things. Do I want to be ungodly in that moment? Even though I know God is watching. And it's, it's, it is a, it's a big deal, but it's considered a pretty accessible level of respect, right? We can access that level of respect and fear and reverence of God. It's not out of bounds. It's not unreachable. It's very practical. We know how it feels to be watched, 
and we know we don't like to be embarrassed and we don't like to be caught red-handed, right? So just translate that to your relationship with God and see what it does. Experiment, see what happens, okay? Um, the last and final point for chapter 41 talks about doing something for the sake of God alone, right? So when we act, um, when we do, when we have our service with Hashem, a tzaddik can serve Hashem like altruistically all the time. That's what a tzaddik is, right? He doesn't have his own will in the way. So us as aspiring being and he's it's not only required of a tzaddik to serve lishma, to serve altruistically for the sake of God, but we try to do that as well. We try to not only serve God for what it does for us and our self-serving benefits, but we try to constantly remind ourselves that we're doing this for the sake of heaven. Why are we serving God? Why are we connecting to him? Because that's what he wants. And that's our job down here in this world, right? So we always want to constantly keep that in mind, even though we're never going to be able to do it perfectly because that would make us a tzaddik. But the more we can remind ourselves that we're doing this for the sake of heaven, the better our, our relationship will be. And that's how chapter 41 concludes. So let me know if there's any questions. And what we're going to do is we're going to practice this meditation. Like I don't even have to make up the meditation this week because it literally says it in the Tanya, this is what we're going to meditate on to create the respect and reverence for God. So we're going to get, take, take it for a practice run, and then you can take it home with you and practice. And remember, meditation takes time. If you do this meditation once and you're like, well, I don't feel it. Mazel tov, congratulations. Meditation is like learning a new language. You have to do it many, 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 many times consistently and slowly, but surely every time you do it, you'll start to feel that emotion more and more. Okay. So any questions before we start the meditation? Yeah. Yes. Should, should not the meditation that we just learned now come before anything? I mean, before like the beginning of the Tanya, shouldn't we learn that? before anything because it's that what draws to right. the rest of what you taught well, us yes and no the, the reason why the time doesn't start with meditation is because remember what did we say what is the thing that creates the dwelling place for god action right action creates a dwelling place for god so we first have to do the action without the emotion even if we're doing the action and we don't feel the emotion but we're still creating the dwelling place for God. Let's say we focus so much on the meditation, but it never led to action. The end result is nothing. You don't get anything, right? So action needs to come first. We need to master the action. So we start this process of creating the dwelling place for God. And once, we're, once our actions are mastered, then we want to put the emotion behind it. And that will motivate us to, it's like a, it's like a, a what's that thing like it, it 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 works together right once we do the action then we're strong enough to put the emotion behind the action once we know the emotion behind the action it motivates us to continue the action 
But the first thing that we focus on is action because you cannot have God in this world or a dwelling place for God without the action. If we were all about intention, right? Intention and lofty feelings and emotions and inspiration with no action, we wouldn't really get anywhere. Yeah? Yeah. Think about it. <laughs> You'll contemplate it. You'll meditate on it. Um, okay. So let's get, let's do the meditation. And then if the meditation brings up anything for you at the end, you'll let me know. Okay. So take a second to get comfortable. Take a deep breath. Try to remember that intentional breathing that we've been starting to practice. So we want to inhale through the tip of our nose, expanding our chest all the way down to our belly. And then exhale through the belly, up the chest and out the tip of your nose. So just really be present with your breath right now. So no, we're not thinking about anything. We're just focusing on our breath and our intentional breathing to clear our mind, okay? I'm gonna give you a few seconds just to focus on your breath. As you're breathing, try to visualize just any tension that might be stuck in your body, let it go. However you release your tension, whether it's like this bright, shining light, melting the tension away, or it's more of like a washing away with water, whatever speaks to you, try to visualize this tension just leaving your body and leaving you light and open. Okay, now that we're feeling a little bit more open, let us practice the meditation that the altar of a guaranteed for us is that if we think about this, this will create our foundational respect for God. So accepting God's authority must be the beginning of all worship. To acquire Kabbalah's all, which is um, acceptance of God, contemplate these things. One, God is all powerful. He fills the heaven and the earth. And he wants to have a personal relationship with you and everything you do matters to him. Okay, I'm going to repeat that because that's super important. God is all powerful. He fills the heaven and the earth. He encompasses the heaven and the earth. He surrounds the heaven and the earth. He wants to have a personal relationship with you and everything you do matters to him. What would happen if you thought about that every time before you perform a mitzvah?
after you accept God's authority, you can then deepen the relationship by absorbing and internalizing your reverence for God's light. The light that you pull onto yourself when observing a mitzvah. Okay. So think about this amazing God who's a walking paradox, right? He fills everything. He's in everything. He's, he surrounds everything. We're nothing to him. We're nothing compared to it, not nothing to him. We're nothing compared to him, yet everything we do matters to him. Just let that feeling wash over you. Just let that emotion, that natural emotion that comes up from thinking that, just be, just observe it, be there for it. You are now on your way to creating and to having the tools to create that foundational piece in your relationship with Hashem. You have it. It's in your grasp. What are you going to do with it? So wiggle your fingers and toes. Take a deep breath. Just focus on your breath for a minute just to bring you back to present. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. Okay, how are we doing? Any questions, comments? Did it bring up anything for you? Um, anything you wanna express, feel, say? Um, class is over, so if anyone needs to leave, no problem, but if anyone has any additional thoughts. I'm here. I'm just going to stop the recording.